Ward 2 2021 virtual debate. While this debate is being held virtually via Zoom, we would like to acknowledge that we are on the lands of the Treaty 7 territories and Region 3 of the Métis Nations. Participating Ward 2 candidates will square off in a debate about the issues posed by you, the residents of Calgary. Good evening. My name is Christopher Brown, the host of the Cross Border Interview Podcast, and tonight I will be playing moderator. Prior to tonight's debate, we reached out to all candidates via email or via social media if we could not find an email address on a website or through Elections Calgary who were running for Ward 2 Councillor. Candidates were given the same information and given the same details about tonight's debate. Participating candidates in today's debate are as followed in alphabetical order by last name. Francis Arana, Serene Singh, and Tio Van Asal. The candidates have agreed to tonight's debate rules, and I will try my best to ensure that we keep on time and on schedule. Over the last two weeks, we've had over 65 submissions for tonight's debate alone. The candidates were not given the questions prior to tonight's debate, but were given the topics, which are COVID-19, infrastructure, city revenue slash city budget, community associations, your involvement in the community, and for that we mean the candidate's involvement in the community, and green spaces and new parks. Now each candidate will have a one minute opening statement. Now for those watching via Zoom, uh, via YouTube, I apologize, we will be bringing in the candidates right now. I just wanna make sure I do this correctly. There are the candidates. Now, the candidates, again, will have a one-minute opening statements by alphabetical order by last name for one minute. So we will start off now with the opening statements. Francis, whenever you're ready, one minute to yourself. Thanks, Russ, for having me on your show and the other candidates uh, as well. First of all, as we only have 50% participation today, it shows how serious the other candidates are in taking our board forward. Joe Maglioka, Jennifer Wyness, and Kim Tyers have chosen not to participate, and this is completely unacceptable, as this is the only debate with elections starting in less than a week. This further shows lack of transparency in these candidates. For me, getting to this point would have not been possible without the support that I received from the residents of our communities. I am in this for you and us. I would like to request all our viewers to visit my website, www.francisarana.ca and follow me on social media channels, visiting my handle, Francis for Ward 2. Thank you. Perfect, thank you, Francis. Serene, one minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Awesome, thank you, Chris. Uh, hi, everybody, my name is Serene. Uh, I'm a Calgarian born and raised here my entire life. And going into this race, what has really motiva motivated me has been to bring the thoughts and the concerns of people within this city to the forefront of the issues that City Hall tackles. For far too long as a student, I felt like the voices of the people living in our ward have been more of an afterthought to a city council that currently has a spending problem and with city councillors like our incumbent who do not seem to care whatsoever about the needs of the people other than their own personal needs. So as a candidate, my goal, as I would simply like to state it, is to number one, bring, the, bring your concerns to the forefront of what City Hall is doing, and also to break the stereotype that politics is only for people who have retired and that young people and their opinions hold no value. Thank you. Thank you, Serene. Theo, whenever you're ready, one minute to yourself for opening statements. Well, thank you, Chris, for organizing this. Um, my reason for uh, running is summarized uh, that is based on knowledge and experience. I've been working for four decades in the, in the industry, uh, in the private area. My, my education in, in the, includes a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and an MBA. The first is helpful in solving problems. The other one is 
in actually uh, implementation of, of sound practices. Um, I'm, I have been involved in very complicated uh, areas of, uh, of, um, of pro projects. And I know what, what it takes to ask difficult questions. Um, Calgary has always been struggling with the budget. And I found that most of the time the council do not have the people on board that have the background and the, uh, uh, the experience to uh, address complicated questions. That's why I'm in for, the, for this uh, position. Thank you so much to all the candidates for their opening statements. Now we will be turning to the questions posed by you, the residents of the city and Ward 2. Each candidate will have two minutes for a uh, to answer the question that is posed. And again, we will be going in alphabetical order. This time, though, we will be starting with Serene. Topic one, which is COVID-19. This question is from Jeremy. Jeremy asks, how can you, as the next city councillor for Ward 2, support citizens and businesses until the end of the pandemic? Do you support the recent bylaw that was passed by city council and advocated by the business community around vaccine passports? So two minutes to yourself, Serene, whenever you're ready. Okay, awesome. So great question, actually. And it's a concern that I found a lot of citizens ask me while I was door knocking. And what I believe is going into this next uh, next winter and moving into the next year, what is very clear is COVID is not going away. The provincial government assumed that we could relax, you know, take a vacation and not care about actually keeping this pandemic under control over the summer. And now we have another wave. And the reality is we can't afford to have more and more and more of these waves. We can't keep going back to this. You can't even call it policy of implementing restrictions and then completely eliminating them. There's no long-term vision there. What I believe instead is that vaccines, of course, are essential in order to combat these next waves, in order to combat this pandemic. And I believe that it's also important that we value the choices of individuals living within our ward. So what I believe is, instead of what the provincial government is doing right now, which is kind of a half-baked answer of creating these simple vaccination cards, which can be very easily faked and implementing them everywhere, I think they should focus solely on using these vaccine passports on large public gatherings, such as huge uh, sporting events, or in areas where transmission is statistically very high, but places that are very important to stay open, such as the gyms, which have actually suffered a lot during the COVID restrictions that have been implemented over the last year and a half. So I believe as well, along with that, that this is an issue that we really need to care about the opinions of people working within the healthcare industry. The top healthcare advisors for the provincial government, the federal government have all supported vaccines, have all now supported the idea of implementing these passports. And I think it's serious. I think it's important that we take their consideration seriously. Thank you so much. Theo, whenever you're ready, two minutes to answer the question if you don't want me to repeat it. Yeah, the, pand the pandemic is um, uh, pandemic. Sorry, is an uh, is an, uh, an very serious issue, and I think it could be kind of uh, um, compared to a war. You cannot just uh, win a war with half-assed uh, measures. Uh, I'm, at the same time, people have the moral obligation to uh, look after other people. So in this case, the uh, all this this jazz about what you don't like about the measures, it is not about you, it is about the uh, overall health of society. And uh, I don't like masks, I don't like all the others in jazz, but if uh, if it helps other people to be uh, keeping safe, and if it, it helps to curtail the, uh, the uh, pandemic, I'm, uh, I suck it up, it's fine. Uh, what I am very disappointed in is that the leaders do not all go uh, follow the, the the line of command. They should go to uh, the chief medical officer, Dr. Hinshaw, and hammer out uh, uh, solutions that everyone can live with instead of coming up 
uh, from all, all corners of the world for their own uh, with their own ideas, particular uh, city council who uh, who have, by my knowledge, absolutely no medical background. So why should we even listening to those? Uh, I think we should all listen to the to the person who's most informed, and that is uh, that happened to be Dr. Hinshaw. So, um, but uh, be that as it may, uh, I think. That's one of the things that, that the city councils can do is be focused more on the persons uh, that are uh, in charge and discuss uh, possibilities to get out of this out of this uh, uh, this weird situation we have now. Thank you. Thank you so much, Francis. Two minutes to answer the question. Whenever you're ready, go ahead. Thanks, Chris. Well, I completely agree with uh, Serene and uh, Theo uh, on their positions. Uh, and I, I feel that enough is enough. It's been one and a half years, and this is not going to go for uh, sooner. You know, uh, So what we need to do here is uh, continue with our life. And the only way you can help small businesses is by keeping them open. If you put more and more mandates, more restrictions, you're going to force them to the brink of extinction. Now, make no mistake, I'm personally double vaccinated, so is my family. I'm okay with wearing masks, but what I feel is it should be a choice and not forced on. The provincial government should have invested their monies into training people much more better on the effects of COVID and the long-term betterment. But it didn't happen that way. And uh, getting back to uh, city of Calgary, uh, getting this extra layer of protection, as they said, is just not acceptable because uh, if you go to see, uh, they should have lobbied back to the government of Alberta and worked something amicably because Alberta has 257 urban municipalities comprising of 19 cities, 106 towns, 81 villages, 51 summer villages. And imagine every 100 kilometer you go and they have different uh, rules and regulations. It's just bizarre. So that's my stand uh, on this. Okay, uh, was, you, this is going to be a good debate if you're going to all stick to times. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, let's move on to topic number two, and that is infrastructure. Now, this question, we will be starting off with Tio. This is a hybrid question. Uh, infrastructure seems to be a topic that Ward 2 residents want to talk about. So we tried to put enough of these questions together and we'll be posing to you, uh, it to you. So it is in a two-part uh, question. So please bear me with me while I just read it off to you. Can the candidates tell the listeners slash watchers what infrastructure projects you believe need to be a priority moving forward in Ward 2, and if possible, explain how you will advocate for more funding for infrastructure projects in Ward 2. So whenever you're ready, T.O., two minutes to yourself. Well, one of the things is, of course, is that uh, there are needs and there are wants in uh, in infrastructure the first problem what i uh, what i see with the with the question is that uh there's an that there's an assumption about already what the priorities are for war two for uh, infrastructure uh, planning uh, by my knowledge there is not an overall philosophy in the city as to what the calgary should look like uh, most cities uh, and i Take one that is that I'm familiar with is Amsterdam. Uh, they have a very clear plan as to how bring people from A to B, and what means there are, and how they should be prioritized. And that is not in place. So if you don't have a plan in place, it's very difficult to even to start talking about priorities. Could you talk? So there's only so much money available, you know, for 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 infrastructure. So you have to kind of. Um, see what uh, the uh, what are the budgets are and what is needed in a specific area. You can see uh, uh, particular war too. We have about ten or eleven communities. Uh, Francis know probably exactly how many, um, but they uh, they all are quite different. Harkwood is quite different from Nolan Hills uh, or Nolan Heights rather, and uh, so they all have their own 
um, kind of uh, priorities. So it would be a matter of sitting down with the community associations and hammer out and the priority list that needs to be addressed uh, in a greater context of Calgary. And of course, uh, that all has to fit in into uh, budget, which affects taxpayers. So uh, that's my answer for that. Thank you so much. Francis, two minutes to yourself to answer the question whenever you're ready. Well, investing capital and infrastructure plays a pivotal role in creating inclusive, accessible, and connected communities. The demand for infrastructure investment rises with the rise in population. That's what we've seen in Watu. Also, it's critical to bifurcate public and private sector investments. As for my conversation with the residents of Watu, there's been a rapid growth in the private sector investments with less proportionate public sector investments. While door knocking, the most common wants uh, which people asked for was uh, need for more schools, better transportation, uh, to mention Green Line here, uh, snow removal, and more of recreational uh, centers. We need to work with different community associations to check what the current demands are corresponding to the population and make these long-term investment and plans. The city's capital budget relies heavily on grant funding compared to our operating budget, which has more funding sources. When grant funding is cut from capital, we need to either reduce our capital budget or switch to funding sources to make up the shortfall. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Serene, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Awesome. So uh, this is actually one of the main issues a lot of the people, a lot of my neighbors actually brought up with me when I first entered this race, infrastructure and whether we're building communities that people actually want to live in. Because right now, the general attitude that people really believe in is that the city has kind of mindlessly expanded outward without actually giving a second thought towards what life is like actually within the communities. If you look between Evanston, Sherwood, Sage Hill, Kinkora, um, and even some of the newer communities just on the edge of the Hamptons, there's maybe five basketball courts in total among the entire half of the ward. How is that possible? And the reason is because the people who are sitting in City Hall are not the same people who are going to the parks. They're not the same people who are taking transit. And so there's no real perspective or understanding of what people actually living here need and want. Um, every day I take transit to go to school, to go to work, and I'm sure any one of the other residents who live in any one of these communities who try and take the 82 have had this experience. You're standing outside, it's January, minus 32 with wind, um, and the bus drives right past you. And it's not the fault of the bus driver. They simply can't afford to pack any more people into the bus. And the city every year proposes brand new flashy projects downtown of a new event center of a new BMO expansion. When people here have to wait 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes for a bus in minus 30 weather. And then we have our incumbent who is enjoying his dinners and drinks on thousands of dollars of taxpayer money, the money that my parents and everybody else's parents make. And it's completely unacceptable. So I think going forward into this next year, the city absolutely needs to focus on two main things, transit and public amenities for these communities. Thank you so much for everyone for keeping to time. We will be able to get to those rapid fire questions that you guys aren't prepared for potentially if you continue on this one, but I know Revenue and budget, you will probably want to take your two minutes for this. And this question, we will start off with Francis for two minutes. This question is from Christina. Christina asks, the city is currently looking for savings. And to some residents, this could mean reduced services and even possibly a loss in services. The question is, are there alternative revenue streams that you believe the city should be looking at to ensure services aren't cut and taxes don't go up another 13% like in 2020 in the future? So two minutes to yourself, Francis, whenever you're ready. 
Thanks, Chris. Uh, like any other organization, the city of Calgary also has a PL and it has its own streams of revenue and expenditures. The mainstream of uh, the revenue comes in forms of uh, property tax, which is 75%. Sales of goods and services, license, permits, fine, franchisee fees, dividends, business tax, grants, and subsidy. On the other hand, the main expenditure which uh, the city goes through is salaries, wages, and benefits. So I think that's where the uh, majority of the chunk goes. And you've seen a few councillors uh, even coming in saying they want to take uh, uh, salary cuts. Day-to-day -day programs, maintenance services, administration costs, utilities, capital financing costs are the different kinds of expenditures. Now, if you ask me a, a question that how are we going to uh, basically uh, not increase property tax uh, and uh, the revenues coming in, you have to think out of the box. And number one, uh, which I think is there are a lot of people who stay outside the city and uh, they use the city services of uh, Chestermere or Adri. Why don't we have a toll? Charge them a dollar a day because they do not contribute to the city in terms of living here and pay the taxes, but they come in and they use all our services. Number two would be we can also look at uh, selling uh, the city assets, privatizing some of these uh, places which the city holds. That's uh, a way of revenue generation. Next, uh, what we can look out is uh, an aspect of tourism where you invite people to come in in terms of medical tourism or other kinds. And lastly, I would say is invite people to invest into Calgary. There's a huge amount of people who would love to come here and invest. We've just not marketed ourselves, right? Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Francis. Serene, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Awesome. Thank you. So um, going back to, you know, revenue streams and how can the city expand their current revenue? I think one aspect that has been severely neglected by City Hall is diversifying the economy. Calgary is known as the energy capital of the country, and we've done historically well with that. It's been the basis, the foundation of every community here. But I think it's also important that we recognize and we really value the budding tech industry we have in the city. There's a number of indoor agroponic, uh, indoor farming companies. There are plenty of fintech operations and also prop tech startups operating within the city that have come here without any significant municipal attraction or even funding. And so we're very lucky to have that. And it's absolutely great because we're attracting plenty of talent, a lot of diverse workers from different parts of the country and even from the states. But I think now it's time that we really start to fuel that. We really start to push with everything we can to expand those industries. And so what does that really mean? Um, so specifically, just back in 2016, Calgary Economic uh, Development Forum worked in partnership with the city of Calgary to create the Opportunity Calgary Investment Fund. And I think that's absolutely great, but I think we need to do more now. I think we need to create a fund within that organization that focuses specifically on early stage startups and early stage businesses so that students within the city are more excited to stay after graduation and so that uh, investors and entrepreneurs are more excited and feel more confident in opening their businesses up here in Calgary. Thank you, Serene. Tio, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Yeah, I'd like to uh, hook on what Francis said. Um, he uh, he mentioned about uh, the revenues and the uh, and expenditures, and um, that is an is a very important part of this whole uh, of this whole conversation. The uh, the budget typically is not being set by councils; it's being set by the administration. And so you have the administration, uh, I would say this, the tail is wagging the dog and it is council, council is the dog. Council, unfortunately, we have seen, do not have the expertise to ask the right questions. So they, that's why the, one of the reasons why you see in the last few years, no cuts in, in employment, no cuts in salary, no cuts in anything while the private sector has, has been bleeding. So um, as to the question that was raised about, you know, how do you uh, look at the uh, 
cutting uh, cutting the uh, revenues, or rather cutting the taxes, and just maintaining services. Well, I think there is a tremendous opportunity. I would say at least twenty percent to um, to cut uh, uh, cost if somebody is willing to actually look at the at the budget. You would have to look at all and rank all the items and see test every item of how they can be reduced. It would be a very systematic way of doing this. And this is a thing what the private industry is doing all the time when they uh, when they uh, work with, with their budgets for projects. They see which ones are viable, which are not viable, which won't have to be tuned up. This is an exercise that is not being done right now at all. Just because the people, the, 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 the city council don't have the, the have the have the, have the knowledge, they just go what whatever is being fed. That's why you have constant increasing um, uh, budget and taxation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I just want to make sure that I'm following along and making sure I've got my question right up here. Topic number four. Community associations, you all touched on this in a few questions ago, but this is a direct question about community associations. And this one, we will start with Serene, uh, two minutes to him. And this question is from Lisa. What value do you think community associations can offer a community? And how would you, as the next city councilor for Ward 2, support these community associations? Two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready, Serene. Awesome. Perfect. So this question actually goes back to which another one of the main concerns that I found speaking with my local constituents. And it was the lack of amenities that specifically address the needs of different communities. I think it was Teo who touched on this earlier, talking about how communities such as Ranchlands are very different than communities such as Sherwood. And I think the real value that community associations can bring to the city is the understanding of what their people really need within those communities. So when we go out and we expand and we build a new community like Evanston, or we expand and create more houses in Sage Hill, I believe the city needs to revise and rethink the regulations they put in place when these new communities are created. And what that specifically means is they need to consult these community associations about what kind of demographics are living within these communities, whether there's a lot of young people, a lot of older people, whether there's students, and then understand what those what those demographics, what those groups would need, whether that's a meditation center in a park or whether that's simply a nice basketball court, because these sort of actions don't require more money or more public spending. They just require a little bit more thinking and a little bit more common sense. And I think that's what the city, that's what the people of Ward 2 have been asking for, because people are not asking for a brand new sports plex or a brand new sports center. They just want parks that work. They want transit that works. And the community associations are the groups that are actually focused on understanding what their neighbors want. So going forward, if I were to be lucky enough to become city councilor, my main focus will be to work with these community associations directly so that they're given legislative power when it comes to the creation of new parks in these communities. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Teo, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. I like a lot what Serene has been, been mentioning. Uh, I think he's got the finger, he put the finger right where, where it's needed. Um, as to uh, how exactly how this would work is an, is an interesting part. And I believe what he, what he said at last from um, they should have legislative power. I'm not quite sure if we go that far, but I certainly would say that the uh, community associations, they are uh, linked to the grassroots, to all the people, all the residents, and they know what they want. And that their voice have to be somehow translated into uh, into the actions of city council. So I think every the uh, councillor has an, an opportunity to work with the uh, the community presidents and to hammer out uh, from each community the priorities and see 
what is what is feasible. Again, that's an an, an exercise of needs and wants and and, and prioritizing uh, the uh, the desires there. So uh, it is an uh, but it is an excellent an, an excellent point that has been made is that the uh, we have to close that gap between the city hall uh, up there and the uh, citizens out there. We have to get uh, the, the citizens should have a real input as to where the tax uh, station uh, tax dollars are going to and uh, how that is being uh, uh, ideas are being forwarded and they have to be heard. And I think uh, going to the uh, more official link with the community associations is probably the way to go. I would, uh, I would fully support that. Thank you, Teo. Francis, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Well, uh, this, uh, to start off with, doesn't look like a debate. It looks like more of a group discussion. We are agreeing <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, things here. Uh, looks like uh, we are divided by communities, but we are united by the spirit of humanity. That's what we look out for. We've got three different people here, different walks of life. We've got Serene, who is a young adult. We've got me, who is a mid-aged guy. And we've got Theo, who is a senior. And that too, living from different communities. Theo lives in a community which is very established. And Serene lives in a mid-established. And I live in a newer community. Again, having said that, it's just uh, nine years old. So everyone's priorities, everyone's uh, views change by the community. Uh, what I think is community associations play a very important role in shaping and building better communities. Just for an example, we've got great Facebook pages, we've got great uh, Insta pages, uh, Twitter, where a lot of these uh, engagements go through. And you throw in a question, it could be immigration, it could be uh, getting together for an event, it could be a fundraiser. And trust me, one person puts uh, in a question and there are thousands of answers and people uh, help uh, in minutes. So I think that's the first place for engagement. I think uh, if at all uh, I'd be a counselor, I think uh, we should uh, throw those ideas out to the people and uh, get answers from there. And I would love to have Serene on my team as a young adult. And I would like to take all the wisdom from Theo because he's got great solutions to a lot of problems. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone, uh, hopefully this next question doesn't have an agreement to everyone because this is about you and your background. If you all have the same background, it'd be very weird and it'd be very awkward. So this question is about your involvement in the community. That meaning you as the candidate involvement in the community. This question, we will be starting off with tail. And this question is from Jared. As a longtime resident of Ward 2, coming up on 15 years now, I have hardly heard of some of the candidates running in this election. My question to each candidate is, can you explain to us your background and how you have helped Ward 2? Whenever you're ready, two minutes to yourself. Tio, go ahead. Well, you know, it's interesting that people who are working in a community are often not uh, quite visible. Uh, those are people, most people that are doing uh, work for the benefit of uh, others uh, tend to keep a, a low profile. Myself, I've been for 15 years, I've been a member of the uh, Society of St. Vincent de Paul, and I was for the last four years the, the president in the city. So I know uh, War II very well. Uh, as well as the uh, overall city view. Uh, and that comes down to, uh, you know, Svinston uh, Paul is an outfit that delivers hampers to poor people and also helps sometimes with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, with the rents and everything else uh, as far as they, they can, can fund it. But uh, the, the thing is with, with societies, uh, volunteer societies, is uh, people are not very good in uh, flagging the case or, 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 or being up front with um, or trying to, to, to get the spotlight of what they are doing. So, um, and uh, uh, with that is, is that I know that uh, War II has its problems. There's a, there's a surprising amount of people who need, are in need of help uh, in various ways. And it's our um, it's our responsibility 
to look after those people. That's what, and also that's the reason why I'm running, is that uh, I had a lot of benefits from coming to Canada. Uh, I did a, had a marvelous career. However, I also feel the obligation to give something back. And that's the reason why I'm running. Not running for for uh, a job, I don't need it. It's just that I would like to give back uh, something for all the experience that I've gathered over the uh, over the last 40 years. Thank you so much, Teo. Francis, two minutes to yourself, whenever you're ready. Well, it would be fair to say that uh, I'm a frog in the pond. Uh, I live in the beautiful community of Evanston, and uh, I've volunteered a lot in Evanston, served with the board of directors as well. Uh, I'm very passionate when it comes to volunteering, uh, working with uh, different organizations, from being a brand ambassador with Canadian Blood Services to Calgary Drop-In Center, Center for Newcomers, Food Bank, etc. I feel it shows a person's character on what he or she is. Uh, we live our life once and it's all about giving back. And I've worked at the grassroots level with the most vulnerable. And I feel uh, I need to get back to the city hall now so that uh, our thoughts, actions, our words are better represented. And 70% of uh, the job is complete if you listen to people, which most of the time people forget to do. And once you're involved out there, once uh, you're uh, a person who's used to giving back, uh, that's when, uh, you know, being uh, popular and getting to the city hall is just a byproduct. Thank you. Thank you, Francis. Serene, whenever you're ready, two minutes to yourself. Awesome. So for me personally, my community service has never been really limited to just my ward, going out and com and committing community service has always been more for me, helping people who I've found that are dealing with similar struggle struggles that I had in the past. And specifically that started with joining the Origins Club, an organization that's actually led by my friend Harold. And what we aim to do even today is to connect high school students with mentors in university and even beyond that in the career field. And what really inspired me to get involved with that was just a few years back when I was graduating high school, I found it incredibly difficult to really understand what the future would look like, what degree paths to take, how to plan my career. None of that made sense. And it was something I struggled with the most when graduating. So when I found, the, found out about this organization, I took the opportunity because I could see the direct impact. I knew what it felt like. I didn't want people to feel that same way, you know, to have that stress because students have enough stress already. And my, I don't believe my service has been limited to people just my age range as well. Uh, just in this last year, I was involved with the Canadian Global Care Society. And our goal was to raise awareness and raise fundraising for people who are dealing with chronic pain. And chronic pain, as some of you may know, disproportionately affects people who are much older than myself and even my friends. But I believed it was important because I've had grandparents, I've had older relatives, and it's always hard, you know, to see people go through that. And so that was another initiative that I really stepped into. But the main initiative that I believe got me inspired into running for city council was Techstart U Calgary, where we connect entrepreneurial software engineering and business students with each other to work on software development projects, but also connect with the real world. And it showed me that we weren't taking enough initiative to expand our economy. So that would be my answer. Thank you so much. Topic number six, we are going to get to those rapid fire questions and I'm looking forward to it. This question, we will be starting with uh, Francis and this is about green spaces and new parks. Again, something we've already touched on, but I want to touch on a little bit more because Rachel is a mother of two. Her question is, Ward 2 has seen an increase in green spaces recently. What are your views on adding new parks to our area? But also, how would you make it a priority to upgrade old rundown parks for families like mine to use? So, Francis, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thanks, Chris. 
Well, uh, that's that's a fair uh, question uh, because you can't have a park uh, not being developed or not being redesigned and uh, have it the same way what it was uh, 20 years back. Yes, we need to look at the priorities. We need to look at the changing conditions and be more uh, dynamic, uh, more than using uh, those parks and green spaces uh, in the summer. I think we are more of a winter city. So I think uh, we need to... Uh, uh, have uh, more avenues uh, where people can go and enjoy them uh, even when it's uh, cold. I've always been an advocate uh, of uh, healthy and active uh, living and uh, these spaces are great to uh, make people gather. Uh, you could have a bonfire, you could have a storytelling, you could have Christmas parties, you could have snowshoeing, etc. We could invite a lot of these rental companies, small businesses to showcase their talent and show us what they have. So it could be a great place for everyone um, to actually mingle. Uh, in fact, that uh, gets me back to one of those memories where I met a gentleman uh, from Citadel, one of those uh, older communities, and he told me, "We, uh, you know, I would appreciate if I could just walk down and have a person making, uh, you know, baking a fresh uh, loaf of bread. I don't mind even paying uh, five, ten bucks, but uh, it's an older community and things." Uh, have to be different. So if we listen to people, and uh, thanks, this uh, question has been raised, yes, we need to prioritize and we need to get these uh, new things uh, in uh, different neighborhoods. Thanks. Thank you, Francis. Serene, two minutes to yourself, whenever you're ready. Awesome. So uh, one of the things that I believe I didn't touch on enough earlier was I talked about the absence of public utilities and recreational facilities and parks. But what I also needed to touch on was the fact that the facilities that do exist are barely adequate, if not completely useless at times. And I go back to this one example that has bothered me the entire time I've lived in War II and has bothered a lot of my neighbors. And it's the basketball courts here in Sherwood Square. At first glance, you look at it and you think, okay, it's a cute looking basketball court. But if you use it once or twice, you begin to realize how poorly thought out this, this basketball court was. It backs out onto a downhill, which then backs out onto a downhill road, which eventually leads to a three-way stop, which is immensely busy. And it wouldn't take anybody more than 10 seconds who actually uses the court to understand, hey, maybe we should you know, position it so that it doesn't lead children running down into the middle of traffic. And the problem is, I was actually in Arbor Lake uh, the other day as well. A lot of people complain that the parks that have been built already have been completely neglected by the city. City never comes back to repair the pavement. They never really care about what sort of incidents are occurring at those places. And what ends up happening is children either are like in Sherwood running in front of traffic or two, they're tripping and falling and scraping their knees on inadequately built basketball courts, playgrounds, and just simple pathways. So going forward, this touched back on a lot of the other topics we brought up. We need to really close that gap in perspective that currently exists in City Hall between the people that are spending our taxpayer dollars and the people who actually pay them and have to use these half thought out parks. And that's exactly what I intend on doing if I'm lucky enough to make it in office. Sorry about that, uh, Serene. A little bit of a momentary lapse on my part there. I looked at the screen, then looked back at my clock, and it jumped. But Teo, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Okay. Now here, for your wish, Chris, we may have some disagreements. Uh, here's one. Um, I strongly believe that uh, living in a community is a two-way street. Uh, you can expect something about from the city, but also you have to expect something from the community. Uh, I find that if everything is being given by the city, that uh, yeah, you get an, a disconnect with the uh, with, with the people who live there, and not quite what they want to have. Uh, a prime example I can give in this here in Harkwood, there's a lady I forgot her na last name. Her name is Heather. She pretty well single-handedly canvassed the whole Harkwood very effectively, um, and got a million dollars. And is now designing a park up in the uh, in the Harkwood area uh, for a multi-use family-use park. Very well thought out, 
very uh, thorough and very effective. And also what is great is that people are actually putting some money into that. So they put effort and they put resources towards it. And that's what I think it's supposed to be. You know, don't look every time to the city from fix it. What can you do yourself? What what can you do to uh, to uh, to make changes? We have in the whole field over here in Hawkwood that was not used and they put the community bar gardens over there. So um, there is a way of, of uh, utilizing spaces, but also uh, please don't every time automatically go forth to the city for a handout, but at least do show some initiative to design it and to make it better and to uh, to see if what 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 the maximum tax dollar can can do for you. Thank you so much, everyone, for those great answers for the last uh, few questions. As I said, we are now going to go into a rapid fire. This is going to be two minutes to yourself, and you were not prepared for these questions. This is going to be the fun questions. These are the ones that you have to think on your feet. Topic number seven is ethics and transparency. As you can imagine, we had a lot of questions about that ethics and transparency. This question is from, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing the name here incorrectly, Serene. Uh, she wants to know, what are your views on transparency with counselors' expenses? And we will start this question with Serene. Serene, whenever you're ready, two minutes. Awesome. I think that's actually a great question. And it's one of the things that has always bothered me a lot as a resident in Ward 2. I think it's far too difficult to find, figure out, number one, what city council is planning on spending their money on, and also the voting history of councillors. It diverts a little bit from the question, but I feel like there needs to be a lot more effort put in by the city to give transparency towards the action of councillors. When it comes to specific councillor spending, whenever a penny of tax dollar is spent, I think it's absolutely necessary that it's declared to the public. As we've seen with the incumbent, he didn't seem to have too much of a problem of spending more than a few pennies and, you know, reaching into the hundreds of thousands of dollars of our money. And so I think going forward, what City Council specifically needs to do is, you know, if you visit the City of Calgary website, they have this survey that pops up every 10 seconds. How satisfied are you? The website is great, but I think forefront on the front page, there should be a there should be a link which shows you the voting histories of the city councillors of what actions are being taken in city hall. And if there is ever a tax dollar spent by your city councillor, you should be able to find that without having to spend 10 minutes doing research on various different news articles. I think that's one of the main issues that we need to bring to voters' attentions, because going into this election, what I'm sure Francis and Teo would agree as well is that the incumbent who was found guilty of doing this is relying on people not being aware of these issues. And that's a huge problem, because when you look at leadership, leadership at the most fundamental, fundamental sense is sacrificing for the people who are in your charge, who are in your care. You're supposed to sacrifice for the people that you lead, not sacrifice them for yourself. And so I think that's absolutely important. Thank you so much. Teo, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. It's actually very sad that we had to go down the road and to talk about uh, stuff that should be actually implicit for people who run in public offices that they have trust. They should be just for society and they should have trust. And if that's being violated as a serious issue. Now, having said that, it's also, it also shows that the city hall does not have the, the means uh, in place to actually deal with that. And we have seen that <laughs> as a very sad example uh, last, last fall. The uh, it should be such that if people violate the ethics, they should be actually canned. They should be they should be sent home. Uh, you know, call a by-election or whatever it is. But if people are not uh, not able to to 
work according to a standard, they should be going. And uh, as far as transparency is concerned, is that every project, and I'm particular, particular now kind of pushing on the green line, they should be defined in such way that people can translate that to the tax dollars. They should know how much for each project, how much it's going to affect them. Unless that is being clear, then people are just, you know, the, the city has no accountability and no responsibility. And that's where we have to get uh, back in city council is a means to hold people accountable, to hold people responsible when things go wrong and to take uh, appropriate action. Nothing like that, no platform like that is in place now. So it is in a kind of an, uh, a runaway train and uh, need some, some, some serious attention to fix that. Thank you. Thank you, Tao. Francis, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Well, I can understand where this uh, question comes from as Celine and Teo uh, did address it. Uh, you say it best when you say nothing at all, that would be Joe Maglio. So <laughs> this, is, this is where the fundamental uh, thing is trust and integrity where things have gone wrong. Uh, a lot of these councillors, a lot of our MLAs and MPs send us newsletters. So why do not add this income disclosure and expense disclosure into uh, these newsletters? Because a lot of our constituents don't even know where to go and navigate to find what the expenses were. And I feel we should pass a notice of motion so that we actually stop these future abuses and make it a strict version of how it can be handled. Like uh, an example, uh, Joe Maglioka has been under investigation for one and a half to two years, but he's still being paid his salary in perks. Why at the taxpayer's expense? I work very hard to earn these pennies and convert them into dollars. And I think our citizens feel the same, but there is 40 to 50% of our people who still believe that they need to reelect him. Why? So. If any one of us has to be a counselor, we have to restore trust and integrity. We have to make sure that we communicate these things well to our residents and we tell them where is the spending gone and uh, what we are actually doing uh, with those dollars. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Topic number eight is about your priorities. This question will be starting off with Teo and this comes from Jasmine. Jasmine wants to know what you would be your top priority if elected, and how would you go about achieving that priority? Whenever you're ready, two minutes. I think uh, the very top priority uh, would be to get the budget under control, or the, rather the spending under control from uh, uh, city council. Right now, there are more projects on the book, capital projects, than the city can afford. Unfortunately, I think many people lost the idea about how much a billion dollars is. Uh, you know, for the green line, to give that more perspective, that is $100,000 per linear meter for the green line. Um, now, the question is, should be from, is this money wise, uh, spent wisely? Uh, are there alternatives? And then not only that, how much can it be more? Uh, every project in the world that is being, being toted for uh, over a billion dollars is going 50% over budget. That's just without exception because the but the the projects get so big that they don't have, that they lose control. So for the green line, uh, you know, you can easily end up with, with ten million dollars or perhaps even more, ten billion rather, or perhaps even more. How that's going to affect the uh, the taxpayers? So we have to. Uh, the first thing that needs to be done is a complete overhaul of of the, of the budget, both capital and operating, and understand what is being done and see where it can be trimmed to keep the taxes uh, reasonable and to uh, to make uh, set priorities as to what projects should be going and what projects should be kept on hold on ice for a while. And until that happens, uh, I don't I think um, citizens should have a, a voice in that, uh, whether projects should go or not. So that would be that would be my priority. Thank you, Teo. Francis, 
whenever you're ready. Well, the top three would be number one, we just spoke about it previously, is restoring trust and integrity. It's it's very important to trust in your elected officials to know that uh, they're going in the right direction. If at all, even if you put an airplane on an autopilot mode, it can only sustain up to a certain level, after which you need to take the controls on, which I feel uh, we've lacked. Second thing would be uh, revenue generation and getting more companies to invest into uh, Calgary and getting more jobs. Uh, uh, I think Serene would agree with me on that. There are a lot of students, young talent, I think 37% of our population, the youth, uh, who study in Calgary, who invest invested uh, most of their monies uh, into their future. And after completing their courses, they don't find jobs uh, in Calgary and uh, they have to move uh, towards uh, Toronto and Vancouver for better prospects or probably out of the country. So if we could only retain this talent, uh, it would be awesome. So we give people uh, uh, that notion that, hey, you study here, you do these things and we make sure we get you jobs. And the third thing I would say is there's a lot of uh, unfinished uh, projects uh, especially in our ward, a few of them. One which is made fun of and fondly, I think Evanston would relate better to it, is on Evanston Boulevard. It is a daycare or a center which has been up. Uh, the construction is going on since past eight years, so two terms for Mr. Maglioka. And uh, there, was, uh, uh, there was a saying which went, uh, are people uh, uh, going to, uh, you know, is Justin Trudeau going to be elected or is this construction going to be uh, finished for something like that? And we need to take care of unfinished business. Thank you. Thank you, Francis. Serene, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you. So the number one priority of my campaign over the course of uh, this last year has been number one, bring attention towards fueling and expanding our current economy. For far too long, I believe we've relied on solely one industry to do well, and we've put everything behind it without thinking for a second what happens if that doesn't work. My family and um, my family friends and parents of my friends have all gotten employment from the oil and gas industry. And I think that will be essential even moving into the future because it's the foundational building block of our city. But today, this very day, we're extremely lucky to have all these budding tech industries and startups which are organically growing within our city. And now I think it's time that the city really starts to make a real push towards attracting more investors, more entrepreneurs, and providing them with the resources they need to create organizations that we can be proud of and that can help us generate these new revenue streams that the city is always looking for but can't ever, ever, can't ever seem to find. I've lived in Calgary my entire life and going into the University of Calgary now for my third year, I have plenty of friends who are in software engineering, computer science. And as of right now, I cannot name a single one of them that is looking at Calgary as their first option. And that's a huge, huge problem because the University of Calgary compared relatively to other universities in Canada and across the world is a pretty great institution. They have their flaws like every other school, but they do pretty well with the resources they're given. And at this moment, we have this huge problem of talent just leaking out of our province while City Hall continues to sit and think about why don't we have any more revenue? It's because we're not protecting our businesses. And that's my main concern. Thank you, all of you, all three of you for keeping to time, keeping to uh, under two minutes. Um, we are going to move into the closing statements now. We are an hour into this and uh, uh, we have about 75 people who have been watching throughout the night. So I want to make sure that they have time to hear your closing statements. So uh, the closing statements will be two minutes in length. And again, they will be in alphabetical order, but this time reversed alphabetical order. So, Teo, you have two minutes for your closing statements whenever you're ready. And before you start, I will say this. I've said this at every single debate as well. Please let people know where they can contact you and get a hold of you, <laughs> because the first debate and the second debate, people forgot to mention that. So how can people get a hold of you as well? So two minutes to yourself, Teo, whenever you're ready. 
Well, thank you, Chris, for the opportunity, and uh, good to see Francis and Sareem. Um, yeah, the all my contact is on the on the actually on this on the Civic uh, website for under the candidates. You can see there my email and my uh, my website. Uh, surprising, a few people look at the blogs, and maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Anyway, uh, for the closing statement, I would like to mention that uh, I'm just running uh, because I'm a concerned citizen. Uh, I've we heard a lot of a lot of people are complaining, and I felt I have to throw my 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 name in the hat for this uh, for this position. What I have to bring is is my experience, uh, international experience, and my various experience as a consultant, um, as an entrepreneur, as well as an uh, employee uh, in the private sector. And uh, I think it's important for us for people that have worked uh, to give back to society. That's this is my main goal. Um, to uh, I like to I like Calgary. Calgary from all the cities that I've visited, visited is the the best city to uh, to live. It's a, it has a lot of things to go through. For has a lot of um, potential. Uh, just now, it's a matter of how we can uh, get the momentum and put it up to the next step. Uh, city council has been fairly hampered in the past. By uh, by the lack of experience and lack of knowledge, so there's now a way of uh, stepping that up and to uh, to fix that. So um, with that, um, I think War Two is a very good hands of uh, good candidates, and I would just advise the voters choose wisely, and uh, uh, if you do, we might do very well. Thank you. Thank you, Teo. We will now move on to Serene. Two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Awesome. So first, I'd like to say thank you to Chris. Uh, it's been super exciting being here at this debate. And like Francis mentioned at the very beginning, this is the only debate. So it's a shame the other three candidates didn't decide to come by. But I would also like to thank everybody who has tuned in and watched this thing through the entirety of uh, the event. Um, I want to clarify that I don't want to ask anybody for their vote. That's ultimately up to you to, to decide. But what I want you guys to know, you know, going away from this is that there is a younger option. There is a candidate out there in this year's election that cares about the quality of your communities that cares about how you guys travel, the quality of our public transportation, and is not just focused on putting out buzzwords like, we need reform or we need lower taxes, blanket statements that don't actually address your needs. There is a person in this campaign that has to take transit, that has to deal with our depressing job market, and somebody who actually cares about the quality of life in these new communities the city keeps pumping out. And I think moving forward, it's again, ultimately up to the voters. I think the ward will be in great hands if we get some change. And if we get somebody in city hall that actually understands the perspectives of the people who are going to work every day and paying the salaries of the people who are supposed to represent us. Thank you. Now you do have 30 seconds left and I will follow up with this. How can people get a hold of you? <laughs> I forgot. Um, anybody who wants to look into my campaign more, I'd strongly encourage you to check out my website, serenesing.ca. Um, or you can check out my Instagram. We post regularly about our updates, door knocking, and our involvement in the community. Or if you want my latest thoughts, you can check out my Twitter, serenesing2. But other than that, thank you again. <laughs> thank you so much for that. Francis, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Well, once again, thanks, Chris, uh, for having me on the show. And thanks to Theo and uh, Serene for your participation. My fellow community residents, after listening to thousands of your viewpoints, I think we need to go back to the basics, which is reduction in crime, timely snow removal, fixing potholes, uh, safety, uh, transportation, accessibility, more of off-leash park, green spaces, infrastructure, more schools, and above all, restoring trust and integrity is paramount. I'm an independent candidate and I'm not affiliated with any organizations. Make no mistake, be careful whom you vote for, as on one side you have the incumbent, Joe Magliocca, 
laced with controversies and an ongoing RCMP investigation. And on the other hand, you also have candidates who've constantly changed their political views and opinions, swinging like a pendulum. I urge you to visit our platform as we have done our research for each of water communities that include Arbor Lake, Citadel, Evanston, Hamptons, Hawkwood, Kinkora, Nolan Hill, Ranchlands, Sage Hill, and Sherwood. Teosi, I got it right. I request you to view our community-specific videos and let us know if there's any other key concerns you have to bring it to our attention if they've not been identified. I'm just a commoner and a proud resident of Ward 2. It's time for change. All I have with me is my passion to serve people and a great and exciting vision for Ward 2. May God bless you and your families and may God bless Alberta. You can find more information on my campaign by logging to my www.francisarana.ca. Thank you and have a nice evening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now I'm just going to make sure I do this correctly, so I do apologize. Uh, thank you. I want to thank the candidates, all three of you, for taking time out of your campaign, your busy schedule, to do this tonight. But I also want to take you thank you the voters democracy can only happen if we have candidates and voters like yourself by taking time out of your busy schedule and watching this debate or listening to it at a later date you have done the first step towards ensuring democracy survives as i've said repeatedly on the cross-border interview podcast vote 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 take 90 minutes out of your day and educate yourself on all the candidates running for mayor Counselors in your ward, school board trustees, Senate, and the plebiscites. And vote. Vote for the person you want to represent you for the next four years. Just a reminder that advanced voting starts Monday. That's this Monday, October 4th, and runs until October 10th. Election day is Monday, October 18th, and we will be back tomorrow night at 7 p.m., with, I would say, 90% of the Ward 12 candidates here in the city of Calgary. Thank you, everyone, and have yourself a safe and hopefully enjoyable night.